Men, I need y'all to say something. All right? All right, just help me. Can, 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 we, can we agree to do that? Uh, huh, you okay? Oh, me, yeah. So, ladies, I need y'all to help me while I get the men, all right? And then I'll tell them to be quiet while I'm getting the ladies, all right? Uh, so, amen. Is that a deal? Is that, everybody all right with that? Amen. Uh, but Matthew chapter 9, and let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word. You're going to know this story when we get into the text. Um, it's found in, in I, be, I believe, uh, two of the Gospels. It's actually found in, I believe, all three. It's in all three of the uh, synoptic Gospels. Excuse me. Uh, it's the story of Jairus and his daughter. And um, we're going to begin reading in verse 18 and read through verse 26. The Bible says, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole uh, from, that, that, from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and people making a noise, uh, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose, and the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and mercy tonight. I pray to God that you touch us as we gather in, or in your house around the Word of God. I thank you for the movement of God already in our midst tonight. I pray to God that you would please uh, magnify your Son. I pray to God that you would challenge us from your Word uh, to be better men, to be better husbands, to be better fathers, to be better boys. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, dear God, and challenge us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Might be seated. Uh, tonight I simply want to preach on Go Get God. Amen. And tonight it's direct as I've already said uh, to men. And this would easily be talked about just for fathers. Matter of fact, years ago I preached the message called Daddy Go Get God. But I, I, as I travel the country, as I travel the world, uh, I've seen the, the, the lack of of godly, strong, out front leading men in our churches. Can I get an amen right there? Uh, it's typically, even at the cross, I mentioned it this morning, how you only found John and a bunch of women at the cross, but how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. So one out of twelve was at the cross with Him. But there was a whole bunch of women there. So that's typically how it is in church, isn't it? And it ought not so to be. We need strong men. We need strong fathers. We need strong godly husbands. We need strong boys. Amen. We want to raise these young men around here, these boys, to be godly men. Amen. Uh, I, I'm enjoying this discipleship, and some of y'all don't know these young men, uh, but we got a young man named Trey and a young man named Ethan. They're wet. They're fresh, wet behind the ears. What you smiling about, Emma? But anyways, uh, we we are we're, we're seeing them come in. And man, these boys are like, to me, I'm a little fella. 
But Brother George, here, here's these fellas. They're six foot something. They're as burly as you going to... I mean driving four-wheel drive trucks and, 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 and they're burly. And that ain't all that makes you a man. Y'all understand that. But in all, I see these guys come in. I'm like, man, I thought all this kind of breed was gone. Amen? But apparently they're not, Brother Jeff. Amen? Thank God. Uh, but you get you getting trapped in what you see in, uh, in on TV and on social media and you think, man, I guess everybody's just going to be a sissy from now on. Amen? And, and here's the thing, uh, the, there is a cultural and a modern church goal to feminize the men and masculinize the women. There is a direct attack. If you don't see that, you have got your head in the sand. They are trying to make the men like girls and they're trying to make the girls like men. And it not, not so to be. God gave clear distinction. And in this text, I want to put the, the burden, uh, if I can, the responsibility at the feet of men before I ever talk to the ladies. I want to put it at the feet of we men uh, that we need to go get God. Amen? And, and it shows us some uh, ways to do this in this text. It shows us some responsibilities we have. Even you young men, you start living this way. Uh, there's godly young ladies that are out there that are looking for good, strong husbands. Amen? And good, strong men uh, to lead. Man, sir, maybe you've been a horrible husband. I'm not looking at anybody. Amen? I don't know everybody Say bad, but God, your your wife, your spouse, your girlfriend, your fiance, whatever the case may be, your children, they need a godly strong man. My grandfather, I need a godly strong grandfather. Amen. That is a real man. Amen. So let's look about go get God tonight. Uh, the first thing I see in this. In verses eighteen and twenty-three, I see the price of going and getting God. We Find out a little bit about Jairus in, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but my cousin's middle name is Jairus, and that's how we say it in Northwest Georgia, alright? Uh, verse 18, we find out a little bit about him. It says, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a ruler, a certain ruler, and worshipped him, saying, my daughter is now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And we find out in some of the other synoptic gospels that this man's a, 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 some, a, a, a renowned in the synagogue. He is a ruler. He is a chief among the people of Israel. Now, how did Israel as a nation feel about Jesus? Brother George is doing this right here. Like the little guy on the balcony. You kind of frown. The little guy on the balcony. They didn't like him. And he is a part of the system that hated Jesus. Right? But he's apparently heard enough about him by now. Brother George, he's heard something about this Jesus and it's perked him up. This, and here's the thing. It is going to cost this man something for what he's doing. Y'all realize that, don't you? This man, hey, it's the, his job is on the line. If he is, he is in fact that the synagogue, a ruler, he's a chief among the people, he is likely to lose his job for openly and publicly going to Jesus. And let me say, I believe there's more families and more homes and more churches and more uh, of God's people been hurt for the love of money more than anything else in this world. 
Y'all have heard me say it a bunch of times and you'll hear me say it a lot more. The American dream is the American scheme. I was talking to a man one time. I was preaching very heavily about witnessing and I was speaking to a man caught me at the back door. By the way, I hate standing at the back door. Y'all forgive me. Amen. Uh, Sometimes people are just a little too honest at the back door. Amen. It's not good for me. Amen. Brother Craig, I was standing at the back door one time. I was in Somerville, Georgia. And this woman came by. And the pastor is literally standing so close to me, our arms are touching. And she shakes my hand. And I know he was listening. He was standing right here. She shakes my hand. She said, Preacher, I'm 85 years old. I hadn't heard preaching like that in 40 years. I'm like, oh, this is your pastor. Amen. So y'all have to forgive me. Amen. But i got to get back to the regularly scheduled message. But I was standing at the back one time and this man came up to me and he said, well, Brother Hewitt, I have a problem with what you talked about with the witnessing. I said, what, what part? And he said, well, the, the job I, I have, they will not allow me uh, to witness or to pass out tracts or to talk about religion. And he said, so years ago I stopped. Can I tell you something? I may have said this during the disciple stuff, but let me tell you this. If you choose to keep quiet about the gospel and about eternity and about Christ in order to make a paycheck, you are saying loudly that you love the money more than you love God. There's no other way to put that. You say, well, Brother Hewitt, what about my family? Are you telling me that if you take a stand for Christ, God won't give you a better job than what you've got right now? Come on now. God's been doing this a lot longer than we have. Amen. So men, I'm putting it on you tonight. It may cost us a little extra, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, overtime. And Brother Chad said it the other night at discipleship. He said, I want to be able to pick when I get to do that. I don't want it to be a requirement. I want to be able to choose that. Because a lot of people sacrifice their family on the altar of more. Amen. Amen. Have y'all know? I, I remember Brother Holmes. Y'all met Brother Holmes, right? Brother Papa Holmes. Uh, oh, Papa God. Amen. Um, he does a lot better than I do. But that, did he, he did sing that here, right? Okay. Uh, Brother Holmes, the first time he came and visited me in America, which he had been here before, but it's the first time he came and spent time with me, he said, Brother Cruz, we do not have these storage buildings in our, our country. He said, Americans have too much. He said, I do not understand. He said, Americans do no manual labor. He said, then they get fat. And he said, then they pay somebody to teach them how not to be fat. He said, they should do manual labor. Yeah. Amen. And, and, but here, my point is, is we have so much, don't we? We have so much. How many of y'all got a room in your house that's just packed full of junk you don't know what to do with? Somebody, somebody, amen. More hands going up right now, amen, than a Pentecostal worship service. I mean, it is, we've got too much. And we sacrifice our children. We sacrifice our spiritual well-being for more. Amen. Uh, I, man, I can't remember if I've talked to y'all about this before, but here we go. Uh, I'm going to preach it like I've never told y'all. Is that all right? Um, Brother Jeff, I remember years ago, I was, it was either the Grammys or the Oscars or the Emmys. I caught a clip that they released later. I, don't worry, I didn't watch it. I've missed them for 35 years. Isn't that a blessing? Um, but I remember watching this lady named Michelle Williams. Some of y'all remember her. She was big in the 90s uh, in that show, or the early 2000s, the show Dawson Creek. She's blonde. Um, I didn't even know she was any, any relevance anymore, but apparently she's been making big movies and stuff. 
And she held that golden statue in her her hands. And this is the statement she made. Brother George, she was crying. This was when all that Roe versus Wade stuff was going on. She was crying and she said, I'm so glad I had my abortion at 15 or I would not be standing here with this today. Now what does that make that, that piece of gold? An idol. And we, we would all agree that's wicked, wouldn't we? And we may not be killing our children for more, but we are sacrificing our children for more. Our families, our marriages, we are sacrificing. My pastor says this often, don't get so busy. Brother Ricky Gravely says this, don't get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. So we see the price of going and getting God. It might have cost him his job. It's going to cost him religion. It's go- he had to make a decision. Listen, you are going to, the most people, the people that are going to get the maddest about you following Jesus is religious people. My man, listen, listen. My drunk friends that I went to college with, when I sold out for Jesus, they didn't get mad at me. Well, Chad, many of them, all of them, at some point in time, have come and heard me preach. I'm still dear friends with them. But you know who had a problem with me, Brother George? It was the people that grew up in these West Georgia churches with me that claimed to be uh, uh, Christians, but they had nothing but good old boy religion. They were the ones that bucked me. They were the ones that bought, that, that were bothered by me. Now, I even had a friend tell me one time, he said, you know, I've seen us growing in God. He said, but I'll just be honest, but Chris, I, I, I'm just happy right where I'm at. And you know where he's at 15 years later? Same place. What a sad commentary. You know what he said? He said, I see my dad kind of living this, this, this level of Christianity all my life, and I think I can too. Hey, I'm going to tell you, it'll be religious people get mad at you. You start selling out to God, you, call, you start taking a stand on the Word of God. And I'm not just talking about it being the King James Bible. I'm talking about actually living it out. Amen. Amen. This book isn't just fairy tales. It's the way we should live our life. And when you start applying it to your life and putting it into practice, I'll tell you what will happen. It'll be religious people that give you a problem. And here this man is, believing who Jesus really is and making a public show of it. And it's going to cost him something. I see it's going to cost him his job, his religion. But look at verse, uh, let's see, 23. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise. Now the Jews, they have, don't worry, I know I'm going a little long on this first point, but I've only got three points. Isn't that a blessing? Um, But the the Jews have a a custom called sitting shiva. S-H-I-V-A-H. Sitting shiva. And what that means is for two weeks after somebody dies, they come into the house and they just wail, okay? And they even make sport of it. Matter of fact, they'll, they'll cry and weep and wail so much that they'll run out of tears and they will pay for mourners to come and cry at their house. And that's what's going on. Jesus walked in and messed up their crying party. I think that way some Baptists get upset when you actually, you know, rain on their pity party too, Amen. <laughs> But that's what happens here. But who are these people? These aren't just random people that showed up. No, these people in his house are probably his cousins. 
It's probably grandma and grandpa. It's probably aunt and uncle. So what's he do? These people are now making fun. Because he didn't do it their way. He didn't do it to just sit down and let it happen way. No, this man had a dead daughter. This man had a troublesome, troublesome situation on his hand. This man was losing what was precious to him. And instead of sitting around and crying and singing about it, he went and got God. And it's going to cost you some friends and family. Amen. I've already mentioned it. I got ahead of myself. Talking about religious people. But it will cost you friends and family. I had a, you, may, I, you probably don't remember this, Brother Jeff, Brother George remembers. I used to have my tip meetings in, in well, you, y'all would always come over in Villarica, right? Big. It, I mean, it was amazing. And uh, the last one I did, uh, one night somebody preached a strong message about the King James Bible. And again, it wasn't an evangelistic meeting, it was more of a camp meeting style. And then it got out that I said, which I did. Be careful what you hear. Amen. Be careful what you see now. All this AI stuff. Amen. Some of these girls lose a hundred pounds overnight. Amen. Got a professional makeup artist. It's great. Be careful out there, fellas. Anyways, all you single guys. Amen. Um, but my point is, is it got out that I said if you wore shorts, you're going to go to hell. Now, how many of y'all know me pretty well? How many of y'all think I would ever say something so dumb? Come on, Colt. Amen. We'll, we'll take care of that after church, all right? Thank you, Colt. He voted against me in the prayer room, too. Anyways, uh, my point is, is, is it cost me friends when I started, I started taking some vocal stands. When I started going after... Here's what happens. When you start breaking out of the mold of the normal and you start really going after... God, scripturally and biblically, and not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but I'm talking about every day of your life, it will cost you friends and family. Amen. Amen. So I see the price of going and getting God, men. Number two, I see the path of going and getting God. Verse number 18, once again, look at what it says, that uh, he, he, uh, while he, uh, he spake, uh, there, these things unto them. Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, brother Richie. We got a problem here. What's at home? Can anybody tell me what's at home for this man? A, a what? A dead daughter? Is she better? Has she revived? Is it looking like the prognosis is going to be real good? No. But Brother Craig, here's this man in his darkest hour. Here is this man, Brother Cannon, who cannot fix his situation. Here is a man who, for all he knows, Jesus could just be doing this for everybody else, but he may not come to his house. Brother Trent, the, the, the situation hasn't changed, but what is he doing? He's worshiping Jesus. Do you all see this? This man is not worshiping Jesus for what he has done. He is worshiping Jesus for who he is. 
Oh, we've got to get that in our soul. We've got to get that in our heart and our mind. Hey, we've got to quit worshiping Jesus over circumstances. Hey, because the human situation is up and down and in and out. Hey, we are a few days and full of trouble. Hey, but I'll tell you one thing that never changes. It's who He is. Hey, I'll change. Situations change. Hey, the church is going through a change right now. Hey, but there's one thing that will never change. It's the great I Am. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I'm going to be. He's the great I am. And He is worthy to be worshipped. Amen. Hey, Daddy, your children, your wife, your community, your sp- everybody around you, your grandkids, young men, they need to see you worshiping God. Amen. I, I mean, I'm talking about at the dinner table. I'm talking about getting so foggy when you're driving down the road instead of hollering and screaming at each other, turn you on some primitive quartet or the marksman and get riding down the road and uh, he's, hey man, he didn't stay dead and he won't stay gone and your face gets to leaking and your hands come off the steering wheel, at least keep one hand on the steering wheel. Hey, it's gotten so foggy in the truck before Brother George on multiple occasions. I've had to pull over. I've had to just say, I can't, I can't drive in this, in this condition. Amen? Hey, I'm telling you, neighbor. Hey, they need to see you in the prayer closet. They need to walk into your room and you have bloodshot eyes up from crying and weeping and worshiping a thrice holy God. Hey, we need to take the path. If you're going to go get God, you're going to have to become a man of worship. Amen. I see the path this worship. Man, I feel like I could preach a little bit right there. Then you got patience. In verses 20, uh, what, what, so verse 20 is when the, the, the woman with the issue of blood comes about all the way to verse 22. We see the... I, I'm going I'm to steal the black preacher's line. Is that alright? We see a break-in on your breakthrough. Amen? That's what happens right here. I didn't get that from T.D. Jakes. Amen? I don't think he's that biblical. But anyways, um, we see a break-in on, our break, on his breakthrough here. And this man's risked everything. Well, Chad, he is, he is given everything. He is literally, this man, we don't know. And, and so I'm supposing. But Brother Jeff, this man could have left off everything he had but his daughter and his wife after this story. And here he's risked it all. He's went all this way. He goes and gets God. And then he has to wait. Can I tell you that your waiting times are not bad times? The waiting times in life are not evil times. See, uh, what God does is he, He works on you while He's helping others. See, in this story, here's a woman that's had an issue for 12 years. And what this waiting does, Brother Jeff, is it doesn't tear Jairus down, it builds him up. Because he sees, well, I've heard a lot about Jesus, but I don't really know what all He can do. And here comes this woman who risks everything to get to Jesus, and, and she gets at His feet, and all of a sudden He heals her. She's upright. And He's got to be thinking, if Jesus can do that for her, there's no telling what He's going to do for me. That's right. Amen. Y'all see that? Hey, man, we got to learn to be patient. I'm preaching to me right now. I'm talking about I'm gung-ho. Y'all know I'm not the two steps behind God. I'm the two steps ahead of God kind of fella. All right, I have to slow, slow myself down. I have to get the reins back and give them to God. Y'all with me? But we have to, amen, we've got to learn to be patient. 
And in those times of waiting where we're, we're wanting to know what the next step is or what God's going to do or, or we're seeking the face of the Lord, we have to look around because while God's having you in a waiting time, God's doing stuff for others. God is working in other people's lives. And while He's working in other people's lives, it gives you hope that soon He's going to be working back in your life. And again, He didn't quit working with this man. He's on the way. It's just not on this man's timeline. Y'all understand? So keep a bit, become to learn to be, be patient. Learn to worship. Uh, in Mark 5, let's go over there. Hold your place in Matthew, if you would. Go to Mark 5, Mark's Gospel. <clears throat> let's see here. I'm in a new Bible. Uh, let's see, where's my verse here? I'm going to find it. Okay. Mark 5, uh, 34. Uh, no, yep. Wait a minute. Okay. But verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down. I started to verse early. Verse 34. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Behold, thy plague. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which thought, said, Thy, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master? Uh, thou my master any further as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue be not afraid only believe and he suffered no man to follow him save Peter and James and John the brother of James and he cometh to the house and of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly and when he was come in he saith unto them why make ye this ado and weep the damsel is not dead but sleepeth and they laughed him uh, to scorn but when he had put them all out he, listen, watch this. He taketh the father and the mother of Daniel. I want to point out this, men, that this daddy may have went after God alone, but he didn't stay that way. Does that make sense? He took his wife by the hand. Here is Jesus leading this family into an impossible situation. Here is Jesus leading this family into a situation that their friends and their family and their co-workers think this is ridiculous. And you know what? There's two things happening here. There is a daddy, there's a husband that's went and gotten God, and now he's leading his, his wife with God as well. But also there is a submissive wife here. I said I wasn't going to get the women, but it's in the text. Y'all pray for me. There is a submissive wife here that lets the husband lead, that lets the husband guide. Y'all see this? Daddies, we got to wake up. We are not going to raise spiritual children on accident. We are not going to have spiritual homes on accident. Hey, young men, you're not going to become spiritual one day. I know preachers have got all these books on their shelves and they don't ever read. I think they're going to just get, think they get it by telekinesis. They're just going to walk up to their bookshelf and soak it in. Man, it don't work like that. Amen? You don't read, a book isn't going to read itself unless it's an audible book. Anyways, y'all know what I'm saying. But, but Brother Trent, it's our job as husbands, as men, as leaders in the church, not just to go get God for ourselves, but to go get God for our families and guide our family. Not drag. Y'all listening? Not drag. See, Daddy, the worst thing you can do is God for God to work on you in a situation. I'm not saying don't mention it. I'm not saying uh, don't, don't teach it. But you can't make people do anything. Now, listen, if you've got little ones, you can make them do what you want them to do. But in the making, you need to teach them why. The why. Amen. The why will prevent rebellion. But here's the thing. I, I've seen this. 
young men will get saved, they come out of a wicked life, and, and the, him, the, their, their wife gets saved, come out of a wicked life. And what this young man does, he gets in his Bible and he starts seeing things and growing and starts listening to preaching and he starts studying in the Word of God. He starts seeing all this about separation. And, and what he'll do is he'll start pushing his wife in that. Amen. He'll start, let me say it this way, making his wife do things. That's not leading. You can teach it. You can mention it. But you can't berate people to do it. Because here's what will happen. If that wife changes for the husband, that's going to produce Phariseeism or it's going to produce rebellion. Or it may produce rebellious Phariseeism. That's when they wear skinny jeans and v-necks and get a podcast. Amen. Amen. So, so my point is, we can't force people, but we can lead people. I used to, Amanda, remember this, I used to have a string in my Sunday school class pulpit and I can pull, I can, I can pull, lead that string wherever I want to, Brother George, but I can't push that string anywhere. You know why? It just piles up into a big mess. And what we do, men, we've got to follow God and earn our family's respect. If you haven't been walking with God, if you haven't been seeking God, you ought to start tonight. But the first way you need to start it is apologize to God and then take your family aside and apologize to them. Because until you get that right with your spouse and your children or whatever the case may be, you are, they're not going to respect you enough to follow you. I was talking to Sister Amanda the other day on the phone and we were, I think it was her, we were talking about prom. Right, and all these prom dresses, and I, I've convinced that the reason men let their daughters go out dressed like that is is because they 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 probably have a pornography problem. And how can dad say no to her dressing like a, a harlot if he's looking at harlots online? I'm just using that as an example. Y'all get y'all with me? So, daddy, we have to set the the example. This daddy had a whole story of following God and going after Jesus and risking everything for it before he, he was able to bring his family along. Does that make sense? So we see this, um, and we're going we're gonna to move on. We see the price of going and getting God. We see the path, but lastly, we see the pleasure of it. In verse, back in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 25, we see that... Uh, that his daughter gets life. If, if for no other reason, sir, you are to go with God so that your family would know Christ. Amen. Is that the main motive? No. The love of Christ constraineth us. I love Jesus. I do what I do, not for my wife, not for my children. I do it because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He gave everything for me. That is our primary motive. But the fruit of that is that my children are not growing up with beer in the, the refrigerator. My children don't know what it is for the mama to get beat or the daddy to, the daddy to be a dope head or the mama to be a dope head. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. 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 But they also don't know. I'm, not, I'm nothing. You hear me? But they don't have any idea about mediocre Christianity either. Y'all listening to me? They know what a family altar is. They know what a shouting mama is. They know what daddy will get happier, daddy will get happier every once in a while and shout and run while he's preaching. I don't want them to ever know anything about mediocre Christianity. Because you know, listen to me. You know the most dangerous thing you could ever do is the things of God without Him 
present. Brother George, I am not anti-Christian school. Okay? I don't have a desire to have one, but I'm not anti-Christian school. And I'll tell you why. It's because five days a week, in a lot of the same churches that have the Christian school, that's Sunday, and that's where the people go to church. So let's say six days a week. They sit there, and they get instructed by people who have no walk, and have. And I'm not saying this is the rule. I'm saying this is. Gen, I'm just saying generally, they are getting taught by people that have no walk. It's a job to them, and there's no passion, and there's no power of God, and there's no excitement, and there's no fervor. And what happens is, is those children can't separate the education from the church. And what happens is they get numb to the things of God. Now I am pro homeschool. I believe it. I believe in it. I believe that that the government school system has done more damage to our republic than any other thing in this world. And if you think just now, because there's transgender people in it, it's all of a sudden a problem, I'm going to tell you, it's always been a problem. Amen. So hear me out. I love love homeschool. I believe in it. You say, well, preacher, I I just don't have the ability mentally. I'm not capable of homeschooling. So you're going to tell me... You went to a public school system that educated you, but not enough to teach your kids, and you're going to send you to a public school system to teach your kids so they can't teach anybody else either. Did everybody get that? I don't want to say it again. They trained us that way. Amen. You can teach your children. Amen. I know there's exceptions to the rule, but I preach the rule, not the exception. Amen. Now hear me, but as much as I love it, Y'all listen to me. Mama, your biggest mission field you'll ever have sitting on the pew with you tonight. And if you don't walk with God, and you're putting the things of God in front of your children every day through homeschool, and you don't walk with God, you're doing the same numbing as what I just talked about with Christian school. And is, is everybody understand what I'm saying? Our children need life. I want to see my I want to see my daughter saved. I want to see my boy serve Jesus. I want to see these others. I want to see them get saved and sell out to God. Somebody's going to have to go get God. I see the life for our children. Uh, something else, the pleasure of this. That's wonderful. It's a pleasure. I, I see that in Mark 5, and we'll not go back there, but after she gets risen from the grave, uh, he, Jesus tells them to go get her food, right? It, y'all see, y'all see that typology there, brother Jeff. Somebody that's been alive longer got to go get food and bring it to the person who was just brought to life and help them grow. What do we call that? Discipleship. How about that? Guess who got to disciple his daughter? He did. Amen. Amen. There's a oh y'all I know y'all are surprised that I found discipleship in something but here it is somebody that's been that's our job as disciple makers we've been alive longer than new Christians and it's our job to go get some bread and take it to those that haven't been alive very long and help them learn how to eat and help them learn how to feed themselves so they can go and take bread to more people amen but this daddy got to disciple his own daughter. And then lastly tonight, look at verse 26. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. The pleasure of one man risking it all to go get God. His family got in. He got to lead his wife. 
He got to see his daughter get saved. He got to disciple his daughter. But guess what? Everybody around knew it happened. And you want to see an impact in this area? You want to see Christ lifted up in this area? Do you want, do you want to see the world change from Red Grove Baptist Church? I do. Amen. I do. I want to see it. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to take some men that will go get God. I, I, I love watching somebody get on fire for God. I've watched Brother Trent. God touched Brother Trent's life. It's almost been a year since they, he and Miss Savannah got saved. And I've watched him get on fire for God. Back there about to tear the sound booth up while ago while I was just singing. I love it, Brother Jeff. We ought to all act like that. Break something. Amen. I'm just kidding. You pay for it if you break it. But you hear me tonight, and I'm not lifting him up, but what, what people have seen is they've seen a difference in a man that started going against God. And what this world needs, not more politicians, not more petitions, not more, more you know, regulations, it's, it's not more government, it's not more, it's not even more church. I'm, I'm, we need church. Y'all understand? We don't, we, hey, this town's got plenty of churches, got plenty of steeples, let me say that. I'll tell you what to turn this area upside down. Every man in this building, Quit playing with God. Quit playing church. Quit playing with Christianity. And lay themselves on the altar. You can't lay your family on the altar until you lay yourself on the altar. Amen. Monkeys what? Monkey do. And for too long, we pointed it away without getting in it ourselves. And I want to invite you tonight, men. Young men. Older men. Daddies. Sons, Grandpa, I want to invite you to the altar tonight. And I want to ask you to come and lay yourself on the altar. Let's all stand. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you come? All want their life to count for something, to leave their mind.